Thank you so much for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. Our hope is to inspire, refresh, and encourage you to be lights in a dark world. This week, we continue a series called Rest, It's What Our Body Needs. If you do find this message inspiring or motivational, please follow Pastor Cedric or Commitment Church on Facebook and Instagram. Download our podcasts on Anchor.fm, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now, filling in for Pastor Cedric, here's Pastor Ken Jones. So, rest. (laughs) Something we all need. Uh, We're talking about rest and what our soul needs. In our sermon series, Pastor talked the past couple of weeks, uh, talked about what benefits does this rest give our souls and where do we find this rest. Our purpose is to encourage the body of Christ to seek and find rest for their souls only in the person of Jesus Christ. There's uh, two definitions, two Greek words for rest that are used in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, one of them is anapao, which means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength, to refresh, to keep quiet or calm and patient expectation. The other word is anapalsis, meaning to recreate inward tranquility while one performs necessary labor. So keeping all that in mind, let us move on to how we live in this rest. And we'll do that by opening our Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, please. Matthew chapter 11. Now, this isn't typical with me, folks. Keep your fingers limber. We are going to be moving around through the Word of God. I cheat. I have them typed out. So, But trust me, I've already done this. Matthew chapter 11, please. We'll start with verse 25, and we'll read through verse 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, looking at verse 25, the last word of that verse is infants. That God has hidden these things and only revealed them to us infants. So, in order to live in this rest, we must start by living as infants. The word infant there, or babe, depending on which version you use, The word figuratively figuratively means one who cannot speak, or a baby, one unlearned, unenlightened, simple and innocent. This is how we, as Christians, need to come to Christ. When you're first saved, that's what happens with us. We kind of start over again. We're born again. When you're born, you're a baby. And so that concept, that idea of being babes in Christ... We need to start learning Christ just as a baby starts learning how to live from its mother and father. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, please. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We all know that babies don't grow unless they receive their mother's milk. And we don't grow as believers unless we receive the milk of the Word of God. Okay, so, it kind of works that way. Hebrews chapter 5, please. Not too far from 1 Peter. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So we start by being babies. We start by receiving milk. But just like a baby, you don't stay there. The concept is the more that you take the milk in, the more you grow, the stronger you get, the more you need solid food in order to continue growing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. And therein lies the problem. See, we take this milk, and we grow, and we grow. When we get to the point where we need solid food, we have a tendency to kind of stop. A lot of times, and I, I see this a lot, I, I saw it in myself, when you first get saved, man, you're pumped. You're excited. I mean, you just had a whole load of sin just lifted off of you. So you're excited, you're pumped up, and you're running around, you want to tell everybody, guess what, Jesus is real, he died for me, this is wonderful. And about a year later, it's kind of gotten quiet. Because you've had enough put-downs and enough knockdowns that you finally start to get weary and you stop. And that's where we get, right there. And we just can't seem to break through that ceiling because we stop taking in the food and the nourishment of the Word of God that we need. Because... We keep going back to the flesh. Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18, please. Verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then, keyword humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, one of the things we find is we watch children grow up and they get to that wonderful point where they think they know more than you. <laughs> we call them teenagers. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at for that later. <laughs> but it's true, you know, because as they begin to break away, right? They, they begin that breakaway process, all of a sudden they become really smart and we become really dumb. Well, I'm telling you, the same thing happens in the Word of God. A lot of times we start learning scriptures and we start 
getting all this milk in us, and we start thinking, we got this. I don't need to worry about this anymore. I understand. Especially happens with people that have been in church for a long time before they got saved. And they, so they heard the word, they heard the word, they went to Sunday school, hey, we got all this, I already know all this, I don't need this. You don't have to teach me that, let's move on. Not understanding that the Spirit of God was not revealing anything to them. Everything they were getting in was fleshly, it was human knowledge, it wasn't God's knowledge yet, because they hadn't gotten the Spirit of God within them to help them discern what's being taught. And, 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 and so they, 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 they don't humble themselves when they get saved. They don't get to that point where they say, I am nothing, he is everything, I don't know anything yet, i got to learn. But then we get to that point where we start to gain a little knowledge, and we get to that point where we think we've got this. I figured this Christian life out, I know how to do this. So I don't need to continue learning. Shucks, the same thing happens to us when we get out of high school or out of college, right? I don't need to keep learning, keep going to school, keep taking classes, because I got this. I know this stuff now, now I go to work. Not realizing that, and finally we do realize, we need to continue to learn. So what do you do in your jobs? You keep taking classes, they keep teaching you more things, because you've got to learn. A Christian walk is the same thing. We never arrive, guys, until we get there. So while we're here, we need to continue to learn. Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> the easiest way to learn. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. <clears throat> You've heard me say this before, I'll say it again. If you want to know what your children are going to be like when they're adults, go look in a mirror. Because they'll be you there's one thing that children do is they do what their parents do. My daddy used to tell me, do as I say, not as I do. And guess what? I grew up to do as he did. No matter what he said. Because that's just how we are. I mean, just take a look at my son. Poor kid. So this is how it works. This is what happens. Folks, we need to do the same thing with God. He is our father, and we need to imitate him. And how can we imitate him if we're not in the Word? How are we going to know who he is if we're not in the place that tells us who he is? The only place that tells us who he is. So we have to start by living as infants. Then we need to live a pleasing life. Verse 26 of Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. The word way is a manner of living. Kind of pointing back to point one, okay, as infants, as imitators of God. But also well-pleasing is satisfaction, delight, in the sense of good pleasure, will, and purpose. So how does this well-pleasing life look? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to be transformed, not conformed. 
when we become Christians, everything changes. That concept of repentance, of change, of turning around and going in the opposite direction needs to take place. And it happens when you transform this. Because then you'll transform this. <laughs> okay? We always say that uh, you know, the longest distance in the world is the distance from here to here. Okay? But we've got to get this right. We've got to get the mind right. We have to have the mind set on Christ. Especially in a world today where information is all over the place, and most of it is junk. 99.9% of it is useless, especially when compared to the Word of God. But yet, how much of that stuff do we take in compared to how much we take into the Word of God? Some of it is purposeful. Sometimes we purpose in our hearts and our lives to go listen to that stuff. I always like to say, you know, if you spend as much time in the Word of God as you do listening to the news and the sports, you'd all be Bible scholars. <laughs> I'd be a Bible scholar. Okay, but we don't. We don't spend that much time in the Word of God. We'll do our, our, our two, three, four minutes of the daily bread, and then we're out the door and think we good. And then we go turn on the radio and... Let's find out the scores of the games from last night. Because that becomes more important than what I just read in the Word of God. You're not going to transform your mind by filling it with the world. You're going to be stuck, right, in that infant stage. So you need to be transformed, not conformed. Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 17. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. We need to be preaching Christ. In love, preferably. People aren't necessarily going to listen to you too much if you're smacking them with the Bible. But they'll certainly listen to you when you speak in love. But we need to tell them, folks. Isn't that really what we're here to do? If you think about it? I mean, what should our goals in life be? Uh, see, I want to make a million dollars, I want a new car. You know, I mean, really, you think about it. What is our priorities in life? What have we set as goals for things we want to accomplish? Proverbs says, he who saves souls is wise. <clears throat> How are we going to do that if we're not preaching Christ? And see, we do that by living Christ. See, that's the pleasing life portion. If we live Christ, we'll be preaching Christ. You don't necessarily have to jump up on a platform and start screaming out, Jesus is, 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 is died for your sins. Just walk it, man. Just, just live it. Have it seen in your life day by day by day. How do you react to circumstances? Somebody starts fighting with you about whether or not you took a COVID vaccine. How do you react to that? Do you get angry? Do you start fighting about whether or not you should or shouldn't? 
Or do you talk about the one who's going to take care of it all anyhow? We know who the great physician is. But we don't focus on him. We focus on the world stuff and the world's ways of doing things, and we don't live Christ. Because if I, I'm not going to argue with anybody. I'm going to love them. I don't really care if you got a vaccine or not. I'm going to give you a hug anyhow. Maybe an air hug, but it's a hug. <laughs> because we have to show the love of Christ. And that's how we preach Christ. Because then when you preach Christ with your mouth, they're going to listen. Because they're going to know there's something different about you and something that they want. That peace, that rest for your souls that they don't have. Man, if this world, if you haven't seen anything you know, in your lifetime, you know that we're busier than ever. Goodness gracious, I don't have, ask my, ask my poor mom. I don't have five minutes to go get her a tube of toothpaste. I, I just don't have time. Just, you're just so busy, so busy. How are we going to find rest in this busyness? You don't think that's a job that the devil's trying to do to you? He's trying to make you so busy that you can't find Jesus? First Thessalonians, please, chapter 2. First Thessalonians, chapter 2. Verse 4. <clears throat> but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. See, if, this is what I love about the way this is put together, see, because if we're transformed in preaching Christ, then people are going to see our hearts. And they're going to know that there's something different in my heart because there's a God who lives in me. We just sang a song about the Spirit. And, and Larry and I talked about this the other day. It really kind of convicted me. Because sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit as just some like, magic thing that's going to just kind of open up a door for us or open up our mind. He's God. The Holy Spirit is God. So when you think about it, God doesn't separate. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son are in you. And if the Holy Spirit of God, if God himself is in you, how can anything else come out unless we push him away and let something else come out? Man, it's God inside of you. Oh, man, we should all be excited. <laughs> we should be jumping for joy. Holy cow, God's in me. <laughs> so he's going to test our hearts. He's going to examine our hearts to see what's in our hearts. Are we quenching the Spirit? God knows. He's the one who counts, right? First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Just stay right where you are. Just kind of go down a few verses. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own glory, your own kingdom and glory. 
We need to live in our calling. That's kind of how the, the, the preaching, transforming stuff all kind of functions, is we have to understand what we're called to be in Christ and then do it. One of the cool things we do here is a spiritual gifts class. And through the spiritual gifts class, we get the opportunity to see some of the gifts that God has given us that help us to be able to serve the church, be able to serve the body of Christ. Do we walk in our calling? Do you know your calling? That's probably a bigger question, because I think a lot of us don't know. And the only way you're going to find out is to take the time to ask. You know, God's pretty cool about that kind of stuff. You have not because you ask not, it says in James. You want to know his calling, ask him. But be prepared. <laughs> because what he tells you, he's going to expect you to do something about it. And you know what? You're going to have circumstances and things happen in your life that are going to push and prod you to get you there. Are you having struggles right now in your life? Maybe it's because God's trying to push you and prod you to where your calling is, and you haven't got there yet. So instead of, God, why are you doing this to me? Say, God, why are you doing this to me? Help me understand. Where am I supposed to be? What have you called me to be? What have you called me to do? And the first thing we're called to do is be obedient to God. So when you hear that calling, folks, you better obey. See, a lot of times what happens is most of us are kind of scared of that calling. Uh, I, I heard the calling when I was 17, and I got scared, <laughs> and I ran as fast and as far as I could in the opposite direction. And had misery after misery after misery after misery after misery. Until God finally slapped me upside the head and said, okay, you get it now? Okay. You've got to walk in your calling. You've got to find out what it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll stay in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. You've got to walk the walk. You transform your mind, you, you preach Christ as he examines your hearts, you find the calling and then walk it. It's the whole process right there, in a nutshell. You learn how to transfer your mind because you're an infant trying to learn this stuff, and as you figure it out, you begin to get in the solid word, in the solid meat of the word, you begin to understand, you start preaching Christ. You hear your calling and you walk in it. and then you'll find rest. <clears throat> Lastly for today, we may have to live a life of faith. Matthew eleven twenty-seven 27 says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, 
and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. When we come to know Christ, notice the word know Christ. Because through Christ, he will reveal who the Father is. We will come to understand these things. All things, it says. The whole, the totality, continually, continually. It's not something that you know and forget, kind of like what we did when we learned algebra. <clears throat> Just saying. Okay? This is a continual knowing that stays with you. Why would it stay with you? Because you're in the Word of God. You're continually in the Word of God, so you will continually know who the God the Father is because you'll continually be in his presence. And it's revealed, spoken of things revealed by God through Christ, disclosed. I like the literal translation. This is to take the cover off. It's no more hidden. When we become Christians and the Holy Spirit of God comes within us, there's nothing hidden. He reveals it all to us. Now, he don't do it all at one time because your head would explode. But trust me, he's going to reveal all there is to know about God. And it's all here. Praise God, he's given it all to us. We just need to get it. We need to receive it. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, please. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, and he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So our faith has to be in Christ, who is the heir of all things. H-E-I-R. And you know what we are? We're adopted children who are co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that cool? So if we understand and have faith that Christ is heir of all things, that faith transforms to us who are also co-heirs with Christ. Pretty cool. Colossians, please, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will have come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So our faith in Christ, is the one who holds all things together. 
even when we're falling apart. He's the one who's going to hold us together. And we have to trust that. He's also the one that reconciled all things through the blood of Jesus. Because without the blood, there is no remission of sin. Where's your faith? See, all these other things that we're being asked to do, to live as infants, to live a pleasing life, without faith you can't do. The faith starts it through saving faith, and then it continues it through our faith in the work of God. And remember, this creator... (laughs) This reconciler is in you. How can we be anything less? Three things. First, we must live as infants, which communicates our complete trust and confidence in Christ. We have to live a pleasing life, which believes all God's ways are pleasing to him. And we have to live in faith, which allows God to handle all things. Now, you know me, I'm kind of a teacher by trade. So I kind of like to show sometimes how the Old Testament works with the New Testament. Uh, Rest in Scripture is very closely related to what we call the covenant fulfillment, the, the promise that God made to the children of Israel that was fulfilled when they took the promised land. Isaiah, please, chapter 40. You know, I can't resist going to the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 40, please. We're going to look at verses 28 to 31 in Isaiah chapter 40. Do you now know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, physically, we're going to wear out. But if we're walking with God, we're not going to get tired because we'll find that rest for our souls that he has for us. Now, Israel experienced their rest by fulfilling God's covenant promise. But they did it through living a life consistently in faith and by obedience. If you think about what happened with the children of Israel, remember, they walked out of, out of, out of Egypt and I mean, they had all the miracles happen, right? They crossed the Red Sea, and they got water from the rock, and they, got, uh, they had chicken every night. Uh, I mean, they, they had everything going for them. And when they got to the promised land, what happened? Oh, we're afraid, we're afraid. And they lost their faith. And through losing their faith, they lost their obedience. And they walked around in circles for 40 years until they were all dead. 
There was only a couple people alive that got to cross over there that went in there the first time, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them didn't get to go. They found no rest because of their lack of faith and their lack of obedience. Joshua, please. Chapter 21. Joshua 21, verses 43 to 45. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. Why? Because once they crossed over and Joshua led them into the promised land, they were obedient because they trusted God that the giants in the land weren't going to stop them from getting what God had promised them to begin with. Do we see giants in the land today, folks? Where's our faith? Does the things that you see in front of you cause you to disobey or to lose your obedience because you don't have faith? Hebrews, please, chapter 4. I'm going to end with this. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> this kind of talks about correlating this concept of the children of Israel going into the promised land with who we are today. So bear with me. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, meaning the children of Israel. Okay, they also had good news preached to them. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Talking again by the children of Israel. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day called today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it had been before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Now we read all that we talked about the children of Israel and how they disobeyed and had no faith and didn't go into rest and how we're seeking rest for our souls. How do we find it? I find it so cool that the next verse is here because it's a verse we all know and we all quote, but we kind of take it out of the context of where it's supposed to be. Let's look at verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both the joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If God is examining our hearts, this is what he's using to examine it with. If we're going to find rest, we need this 
to help us find our rest. I'm going to look. Joshua 1.8. Kind of a, a guiding verse for me. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. That meditate is the old cow chewing his cud. You know what I mean? You chew it up, you swallow it. A little bit later, you bring it back, chew it again. That's how we're supposed to be with the Word of God. Day and night. Why? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. We can't do it unless we know the God who lives inside of us, and we can't know him without his word. There is no other way to know. You know, I thank God for a church like this that provides opportunities for you to do exactly what I'm asking you to do, and that's pick up the word. We have engage groups that meet. And I think we've got like eight people involved in engage groups. Why? We want to provide you with opportunities to open the word of God. We have classes through the equip ministry. One of the things Larry was telling me, hardly anybody signed up at the last break we had. No one signed up for classes. Thank God. You see what's happened to the ladies? See how hungry they are? There are a whole ton of ladies out here for the ladies' study. Guys, we have a men's group <laughs> on, Saturday, on Saturday mornings. We've got a man time weekend coming, a men's gathering coming up at the end of October. As a church, ladies and gentlemen, we provide many opportunities for you to get into the Word of God so that you are without excuse. Oh, man, you want rest, especially from all the junk that's going on today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you'll find it in God. And you can only find God through His Word. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have provided for us everything we need to live a life that's full and rich and prosperous and successful and restful. And it's right here in your word. Father, forgive us for not being students of the word of God. May through the power of your Holy Spirit, we are convicted constantly. And may we constantly be in your word, understanding, learning, knowing, contemplating, meditating, on you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you have made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry by visiting www.commitmentchurch.org. You can also visit loveallnations.org for more information and to receive encouraging videos. Lastly, if you or your family reside in the South Jersey area, please visit us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.